It's Monday the 28th of June 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Holly Gums, an American nurse who works in the Neurological and Orthopaedics Department of the Landspitali National University Hospital. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. (laughs) Um, We don't really need to talk about what the biggest news story was this week. It was the removal of all domestic COVID-19 restrictions that happened this weekend. While border restrictions remain in place, life within the country has returned to completely normal, at least on paper, after 16 months of limits and restrictions. In other news, the next stage in the war on single-use plastic is coming in this coming weekend, with the sale of a range of plastics being banned, and caterers will have to ditch the plastic altogether or charge their customers for the privilege of using it. An American tourist visiting the Geltigadalit volcanic eruption got separated from his wife and lost. He was found on Saturday evening after a nearly two-day-long search. Over a thousand doctors have signed an open letter to the health ministry calling for action in the face of what they call long-term negligence from the authorities in the healthcare field. The main problems, they say, are long-running and getting worse, but nobody is listening. The Snæfellsjökull National Park has turned 20 years old and one of its birthday presents was more land as the environment minister signed an order to expand the park. Reykjavik, meanwhile, is embroiled in a public procurement spat uh, that has seen electric car charging stations across the city cut off this morning and a state of confusion ensue. The city's public charging contract is to be put out to tender for a second time following potentially costly mistakes the first time round. And finally, while Reykjavik is shrouded in cloud again today, many parts of the country are expecting a beautiful day and temperatures could even top 25 degrees in some spots. So where would you like to begin? Oh, my God. There's so many places, so many things to talk about. I think I want to start with the American tourist who got lost. I just <laughs> I have so many questions about that, like how you get lost at a volcanic eruption and why it took so long to find him. Um, I hadn't thought. Uh, yes. So many questions <laughs> now all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just didn't. I mean... There are no, it's not like there are a lot of trees in the area or anything to it's really shroud. Smoke and steam. Yeah, it's true, definitely. But um, yeah. it seems like he was a seasoned hiker from Colorado, so I feel <laughs> a little worried for him, yeah. I guess. Um, but I'm glad he's okay. It took quite a while to find him. It sounds like he's at the hospital just resting, which is mm. really nice. So. Yeah, from Colorado. Yeah. So they, most of them are quite used to being outdoors and they've got lots of mountains. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's a dangerous assumption to make maybe about people, but I would presume he's probably had some experience. So mm. I'm not sure what happened. It'd be interesting to get his story. Yeah. Just here. I mean, obviously, one man getting lost isn't really a story, but then it goes on for <laughs> so long and then it becomes a story. And yeah. then he's found that's a story. Yeah. And then the overall issue of of people's safety when visiting the volcano is definitely a story and yeah. has been for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the first issues that was really brought up was just a matter of making sure people were well informed about what they needed to take to the volcano and checking in with them and making sure everybody was safe and warm and dry and well fed. And um, I just had never really considered the getting lost for such an extended period of time really being one of the issues that would happen. But it definitely did. So... Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to get more details on it, I guess. I mean, you're only a few hours hike in any direction from the <laughs> sea on the Reykjanes Peninsula. Yeah. If you, if you go in a straight line. Yeah. 
and then as you see there's the plume of um uh, smoke Ash, and steam yeah. that you can see yeah uh, unless it's very foggy so maybe it was know. foggy yeah i i don't know i haven't been in quite a while i think I had heard that a couple days before, maybe the weather hadn't been great and visibility wasn't good, which is maybe why it took quite a while to find him, too. I'm not sure. But anyway. Mm. I think we're quite lucky in a way that this is the most major story that's come up so far, considering the stories of people walking on the hot lava and yeah. oh my God. doing all sorts of stupid things that could have been fatal. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how. I mean, walking on the hot lava is... I'm not sure when that has ever... I don't know where common sense kicks in for that i can't (laughs) i can't even try to begin to understand why that would be a good idea in anybody's mind whether you have a geologic understanding and background or not but um the fact that nothing serious has happened other than one individual kind of getting lost and i had a patient who broke their ankle while hiking i think they tripped over a lava rock and Mm. and so it's just been so minimal I think there have been quite a few yeah. people brought down with broken bones <laughs> and things. But but if that's, I think if that's the worst that's happened, I think yeah. it's, we're doing pretty well. I think Search and Rescue and everybody involved has done a really good job. Mm. And I'm grateful for that, for sure. Now, as summer continues, we're getting more and more tourists. Uh, then it's going to be autumn and winter and hopefully, yeah. probably, I should say, even more tourists as, as the world gets mm-hmm. slightly more back to normal. Yeah. So the challenges aren't going away when it comes to visitor safety. No, not at all. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it would be like hiking there in the winter. I didn't go when there was any snow coverage. So I'm not even sure between like slipping and sliding on ice or just things like that. It it sounds like it might have been a bad idea. Not safe for me anyway. I don't know. I trust myself that much. But then if you're here especially for tourists. I mean, sometimes people give tourists a bad reputation, but they're here for a limited time. Yeah. And so you can't as easily say, oh, the weather's not very good today. I won't do it. Yeah. Kind of have to. Yeah. It might be their only like one and yeah, their one and only chance. That sort of puts a degree of pressure on them, I suppose. But Mm. it's just a matter of education as much as possible, making sure people are prepared. And I guess that just includes staffing at the site to make sure there are everybody has access to the information they need and the support they need if they need it. I think that's going to be the best thing. I don't know what else you could do other than to just close the trail (laughs) when it gets dangerous and people will still find their way. Yeah, It's like telling children, no, you can't do that. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like you said at the start, the most interesting thing about this story is how it happened rather than the fact that it did happen. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. And in a lack of answering those questions in a concrete manner, maybe there's not much more to say and we should move on. I agree. I don't know. Let's talk about COVID restrictions being lifted. Well, that, of course, relates strongly to the tourism. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, yeah. Hand in hand, yeah. Life's normal. How do you feel? Um, I feel uncomfortable (laughs) about it a little bit. I feel a little naked and exposed when I don't have a mask on. Um, and I've been on summer vacation from work, so I don't know how things have really changed at the hospital just yet. I imagine I won't have to wear a mask there at all at this point. Um, But it seems most people have obviously gone quite quickly back to to whatever their normal was, but I still feel just a little strange being so close to people and and just not having the mask on anymore. Everybody can see my face and it's weird. (laughs) It's weird. Um, and I haven't, I haven't been out yet to really see the nightlife and the scenes. 
past midnight, but I hear they've kind of gone, they've ramped up a bit. I think there was a pretty big fight downtown. Yeah, did you hear but, about that? Uh, yeah. Apparently the police didn't hear about it. But I know. The media <laughs> did. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. the extent to which that's related to the, yeah, uh, yeah, there was. It, it yeah. Happens. I mean, I think, I do think that with bars staying opening later and just prolonging access in a social setting to to alcohol and things like that things might be a bit busier for the police i agree maybe you know it didn't take a relaxing of restrictions for that event to happen certainly things like that had probably been going on when the restrictions were in place but it'll be interesting to see if um the the job of the police department gets exponentially busier it, curious very likely will yeah. <laughs> yeah but i don't think a group of drunk men Punching each other on the street is usually necessarily newsworthy, except for the fact that it was caught on video and sent to the media this time. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it does happen. Unfortunately, it happens. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, no new COVID cases yesterday. There was... And not for a while, Four right? on Saturday. What? And one on Friday. The, the new figures just released. Were they border infections? or no, were they domestic. They were, were they outside yeah. quarantine? Yes. All mm, of them? Yeah. But... That's that it, you know, Thorovus and the authorities have said that is to be expected. Yeah, and I do think to a degree that is the new normal where we go for a while without without COVID cases and then somebody gets diagnosed and maybe like small group infections will pop up or something. I'm not sure, but mm. um, it's just such a it's just such a bummer to hear it. You know, it'd yeah. be really cool if we could just go for an extended period of time without talking about COVID or thinking about COVID or <laughs> like yeah. having my life impacted by it. Um, so I, but I think there are what, 37,000 people that are getting vaccinated this week or next week. Do you know? No, like I between, don't know the number. Yeah. But it's been, I think it's quite a lot. Yeah. yeah they've been pushing pretty hard. Um, my boyfriend just got the AstraZeneca or Janssen. I can't remember. Big difference. Uh, one that needs... What's the one shot? The Janssen. The Janssen. Yeah. Yeah. Janssen. So it was kind of a triumph to have him finally get vaccinated, too. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. We've got 259,000 people have had one or both shots of the roughly 280 that they mm -hmm. were hoping to Yeah, I feel like that's good. First time around. <laughs> that's that's great. right. Absolutely. And also yeah. nearly 2,000 12 to 15-year-olds, which were not in the target group, so... Not anymore. I guess they're no. priority cases or whatever, but yeah. So all seems to be going in the right direction that way around, and hopefully that will be reflected in the infection figures because yeah, people, yeah, we, we can stand right next to each other, we can lick each other's faces, we can do anything <laughs> we want to now, uh, and no one can say not to. It's true. It's it's a huge moment. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think it's actually it's quite monumentous in the fact that after living with us for such a long time, everything has just kind of gone back to normal. And it's got to be a weird transition for a number of people, I would imagine. Um, but I still wonder about like the aftermath of dealing with COVID for such a long period of time. Like as a nurse, I just think anytime a patient spikes a fever, you know, how long will it go on that I wonder if it's COVID or if it's just like a post-op fever, mm. if that makes sense. I mean, I just... I think the infection will live with me at least for quite a while. But isn't it the fact 
I mean, you tell me, you're, you're, you're the medical professional, but the, okay. in the future, <laughs> we're, we're not looking at eradicating the virus necessarily, but just that it won't be such a threat. And yeah. we'll look at COVID in the same way as we do a cold like or a flu. flu. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just about mitigating risk and and sort of being cognizant at certain times of the year of like social distancing or, I mean, hand washing should always be good, but maybe just reinforcing that education and vaccinating when we need to. And that's fine. Mm. I'm completely fine with consistent vaccines. <laughs> I have no problem if it prevents me from getting from getting sick. So I guess you probably have the flu shot every year anyway through work. Do you? Yeah, 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 I do. And it's I think you can opt out here like you could back at my last hospital in the States. I don't know. I've never gone that route just because otherwise we would have to wear a mask for, you know, like every month that the flu was kind of predicted to be with us. And I'd just rather get the get the shot and one and done. Maybe they could invent a vaccine where it's covering both COVID and the flu. That would be my well, they're ideal. both types of coronavirus. So, mm, mm. Yeah. So if they could cover all the variants, that would be great Yeah, <laughs> for me. As a provider. Exactly. Um, yeah, going forward, you mentioned the lingering effects of this. I mean, yeah. people have been advised to wash their hands regularly f forever. You know, it's, yeah. it's a great way to prevent yeah. colds and flu. It's an excellent way to prevent colds but and flu. <laughs> now <laughs> we all think about it in a way that we didn't before. So that might be good. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely think people are more aware of kind of I don't know how to say this, like looking at your neighbor and kind of wondering, like, what's on their hands? You know, I just mm. shook their hand. Should I sanitize my own? And I think that's really important. Or at least not touch my face. Not, yeah, at least not touch my face. You know, no. that's a reflex too. We do it so often. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think maybe COVID has had a really big impact on public health in general, which I think is a good thing. Mm. I mean, just for people to be more aware of their bodies and and microbiology in the way things get transmitted and passed on. Do you think that some of the technological solutions that we've seen over the last year or so will help to reduce all sorts of virus infections in the future, such as contactless things and, and like door handles in public places have sometimes got this like protective um, covering on them now, antibacterial, antiviral? Oh, I don't know that I've seen that. I mean, yeah, I would imagine that would do, that would be really great in terms of reducing transmission. I don't, I don't know. I think, I mean, humans really have a need for closeness and proximity. And and I think we would kind of like to be, you know, physically closer, not have that distancing. So I don't not know. Not to everyone, though. Yeah, maybe not Strangers to in the shop. Yeah. So I don't know how long those things would really last or stay in place or how easy they would be to maintain and implement for prolonged periods of time. But mm -hmm. I can't see a problem with them from my perspective, just as a nurse and as a woman wanting to keep herself <laughs> healthy. <laughs> I feel like being more aware of distancing, social distancing, and, mm -hmm. and not standing too close to people in line. Yeah. That's something I, I plan to keep doing because it's, it's comfortable as much as anything. Yeah, it is. I think the handshaking for me is probably one thing that I'm, even though I, I did shake your hand this morning, yeah. I did question it when I... <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I'm going to be that woman that does that anymore. I'm not sure. But I was enjoyed it though. Oh, did you? Okay. Handshakes. Well, that one. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have a firm handshake. Mean. You're good at it. Okay, so thank you very yeah. much. You're welcome. Um, handshakes, hugging, and things like that. It's things that I've always appreciated in life and uh, haven't yeah. been able to do for so long. So I think that's good that they come back. But 
maybe um, sanitize afterwards. Yeah, please. That sort of thing. Yeah. I like the, um, how basically every shop and every restaurant now has like hand sanitizer when you enter. I hope that doesn't go away. I really appreciate that. I think that's just a stark reminder of the need for for hygienic measures and just for... That's a great point. Safety, I mean, obviously yeah. that costs money. Will it, they get rid of them? Probably I mean, not. is it expensive to just keep a bottle of hand sanitizer? Do you know? I mean, it would go pretty quickly if you like a really busy business. I imagine you'd be changing out those bottles all the time. But mm. I feel like it, like, what is the cost of hand sanitizer to the cost of a, a group infection or an employee getting sick in yeah. terms of wages lost and, and time lost? So I don't know. For me, that. I think every shop and business will still have them a month from now, but a year from now. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Especially if we get on like a routine vaccination schedule or if we can get it under under control. Yeah. Kind of like it is now. Yeah. We'll see what so happens. Just before we move on from that topic, um yeah. how does this how do you feel about this? I mean, it's it, it it's huge. Sixteen months. We've all been under this horrible weight. Yeah, it has been challenging. You know, I I have a perspective on this that's kind of different, I think, um, just in the sense of being a foreigner who had just moved here a few months prior to COVID really kicking off. I'd come in July 2019, and I had a really lovely summer, and then things kind of got nasty. And um, that social isolation for me combined with sort of that community isolation of not really having my own community that I'd really created for myself yet made things kind of challenging um, right off the bat. So for me, the relaxing of restrictions is really, I mean, it's wonderful in so many ways where I can kind of keep community building and connecting with people and not feeling quite so hesitant about like, don't, you know, don't get close to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I love it. I just think I'll go into, you know, at least the next few months, if not year, remembering this and really thinking about public health and personal safety from a nursing standpoint and and just that with the challenges of how things have gone um i guess all in all i feel good yeah good i think <laughs> i think a lot of people do most too. people's conclusion yeah. as well yeah. yeah i think they're happy okay uh where would you like to go next oh my god um let me think. I don't know what I could really speak to in terms of plastics and the charging stations. I don't know I have anything mm. good to say on those topics or anything bad, just anything. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Nothing evil to say on those topics. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a shame that they're going to close down the charging stations. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, not permanent, of course. No, okay. Uh, but it's just hassle, especially for people that have electric cars and, and use these stations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they don't break down on the way home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, kind of a silly situation to have happened. I think the the core of it was they put this out to tender, but they did it in a small way because they didn't realise that the contract was big enough to need to go the big way. Okay. Because like, it's under European law. They have to tender it across the whole of the EEA. Um, something like that. I don't quite understand it myself. Okay, cool. Well, then but I don't feel quite so bad. If they didn't do this today, then they would face daily fines until they sorted the situation out, so they thought, just cut our losses. It just seems like it came as a surprise, a bit of a shock. Yeah, most mistakes do. Yeah, well, that's all right. <laughs> okay, there was the, the National Park, there was the doctors 
Yeah, let's talk about the doctors. Good, I thought you'd say that. Let's talk about the doctors. Almost a thousand doctors signing a petition. I thought that was really um, kind of awesome that that many people would just put their name to a piece of paper to take a stand. I think that's really important. And I do think that the hospital has, you know, like many hospitals and healthcare systems around the world, has its issues and challenges that it's dealing with. And I do think it's a good thing when employees are kind of like, hey, we we see this and we feel this too. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Like, let's talk about it. Um, I think staffing is a huge issue, certainly, which is one of the reasons I was able to come over here and work as a nurse too. So in some ways it's... It's quite unfortunate, but also gave me a wonderful life experience. Um, What does that mean from the hospital perspective? I mean, is there something the hospital that the politicians can do if there's just not the people available? I don't. Presumably there is. Otherwise, the doctors wouldn't be calling on them to do it. I mean, I think it's. I think it's just a matter of taking the staff that they have, and and when you're trying to increase staffing, that can come from. A number of areas, international recruitment, which is what they're doing right now um, to increase staffing. I think short things like shortening the work week, which causes its own issues for staffing, but it also could increase retention and the longevity of staff, which is really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then I think going back to, I mean, kind of stepping outside the hospital, but if you were go to go to like the educational institutions themselves and you were to increase the number of professors who could teach the students, if you were to... I'd I'd talk about school cost, but that that's certainly not as much of an issue as it would be in in a place like the states. Um, so I think you could look at it from a variety of factors. I don't really know. I I think it's just good that the politicians see this and they're aware of it, and and that there are enough people with a voice who care that it it does need to be addressed. Like anything, when you have people sign a petition, it kind of forces forces heads to turn yeah. um, if you get enough of them. I don't know if any like nurses or or anybody else signed it or if it was just doctors. I think this particular one, it was just doctors. Just but the doctors. I mean, yeah, Maybe nurses we have get, similar yeah. opinions, I know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we feel it throughout the system in terms of like staffing and patient load. It's definitely hard when you've got six or seven patients on a day shift that you're caring for. And it feels, I mean, it does feel unsafe sometimes, you really? know, so... Yeah, it's, I mean, I think for me, when I have someone's life that I'm responsible for for eight hours, I definitely feel the weight of that. And if I had less patience, I feel like I could give more attention and more care Mm. across the the ones that I did have. But Presumably it depends on the specific job you're doing at the time. Right, and Um, like the complexity of the patient, certainly. But yeah. you talk about six or seven. What would you think would be the right number? I like three or four. Right. I know. I think California has a mandate that nurse nurse to patient ratio is it's like a one to three. Um, and I know ICUs here as well, and in the states are like one, maybe two patients per nurse, mm-hmm. and that's given the complexity and the weight of the patient. And I think sometimes it's just, you know, we have more patients to care for just because they're not quite as complex as a foreign nurse. I, it's with the language barrier. Everything is a bit more complex for me trying to navigate in a different language. And God knows Google Translate can only take you so far. Especially in the medical oh world, presumably. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I know. Um, so I've, I probably just feel 
a bit more overwhelmed by that than maybe my Icelandic counterparts would. I'm not I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. Now, healthcare is one of those fields that is always in the news and there's always voices, yeah. there's always argument, there's always calls for more, calls for change, flagging problems. And the reason for that is because we all care so much because it's so important to everybody. Well, yeah. And I mean, it touches everybody's lives, right? Like if it's not your own, it's your mom's or your brother's or your neighbor. It's someone that you care about. Yeah. So and the, the politicians are aware of this too, presumably. Yeah. So, I would. I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> So why aren't they listening or or are they listening? I don't know. What do you think? I can't imagine that they're not listening, right? I mean, I'm I'm going to presume that they're listening and maybe they just don't know where to start. That's my hope. Like I will I'm not going to imagine that they're just ignoring <laughs> ignoring this. Though maybe maybe they were and that's why I took almost a thousand doctors to sign a petition to get some attention. Mm. I my mom always says squeaky wheel gets the grease and those people who make the most noise get the attention so maybe this is their way of starting that and politicians heads will turn Mm. i hope i'm not sure where they'll go from here there are always things to change in the healthcare field and within hospitals so there's a lot of work that could be done but uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see where it goes in the next few years for sure yeah i mean lanspitali as the biggest healthcare institution in the country has been under enormous pressure financially for a few years and COVID-wise for the last year or more. And now that is changing. What's the atmosphere like at work at the moment? Well, I mean, I will, I will say that I've been, I've been out for the past three weeks. So unless something dramatic has happened in the past three weeks, um, the last time I was there, things had, at least on my ward, um, kind of lightened up a bit. Like I said, the mask restrictions, we were not having to wear masks when we were just sitting in our like computer rooms and charting. And so things, when we were dealing with patient care, we would have masks on. But otherwise, like, it was starting to just feel a bit more relaxed, not so much laid back, but a little bit more, I think, joyous in some sense that we felt like things were coming under control. Um, one thing that was really hard on our ward not being able to have like family and friends visit in in the same numbers as they would pre-COVID. And we saw, or at least I saw like a pretty direct impact on on just the well-being of of my patients when they couldn't have visitors and loved ones with them during their time of, of recuperation. And that's a really hard thing to take away from someone. Um, so it really was starting to feel a little easier, a little better. Um in regards to the the work environment and between like politicians and management, I I think there are always undertones of of dissatisfaction or or frustration that can be expressed with any number of hospital systems and for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily know that I felt that in any way other than for me feeling like staffing was kind of an issue at times, and I. I didn't see that getting better in the near future, especially with the the shortening of the work week kind of creating added stress. Um, I know the operating room definitely took a hit from what I understand in terms of their staffing. And we would have patients on our floor with surgeries that were getting delayed days out um, and elective surgeries getting canceled just because there wasn't the availability Mm -hmm. of the hospital staff. Um, And I imagine that would be... uh, 
getting fixed rather soon, I would hope, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just because you can't have patients waiting with broken legs for too long. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's hope. Yeah. That so gets better. the atmosphere is certainly not getting worse. No, 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 no. I, I really don't. I don't think it's getting worse. But again, the petition came out while I was away, so I don't know if if the sentiments have changed or if the conversation between the nurses and the doctors and and management if that's if that's been altered in any way. So it'll be interesting. I go back on on Saturday. Uh -huh. um, so we'll see. I'll be I'll be interested to see what the feeling is like, what the energy is like. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, maybe it's time to end it. We. Oh. Half an hour's gone already. Oh, man. Time That's, flies. It does indeed. Um, the Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 5th of July. Happy 4th of July, by the way. Yes, Before that. thank you. Um, and that'll be on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Until then, uh, it only leaves me to thank my guest today, Holly Gums, and also <laughs> Lydia Gretasdottir for running the studio. Thanks, Lydia. <laughs> uh, we end today with a song about the joys of life uh, because that's kind of the mood right now uh, this is by Moses Hightower and it's called Leaves Clearly bye for now <laughs> Show.